Well, we started a few weeks ago, four weeks ago rather, a series entitled Running on Fumes. Today, as we bring that series to a conclusion, I want to remind you of where God has had us for the last couple of weeks. The message that I'm going to share today actually was the one that was beating the strongest in my heart. And I wanted to start with this uh, message, but until we saw the first three teachings, I don't think we could really receive what it is that God has, us, has for us today. And that first week, we looked at filling up on rest. When you're running on fumes, when you feel like life is just draining you, you need to fill up on rest. And we saw that we needed to come to Jesus. Until we come directly to Him, there's no hope for us to have the rest for our soul. And then we saw that Jesus told us to take His yoke upon us. That's the week we had the backpacks. I don't know if you remember that or not, but sometimes we're so weighed down, we're strapped with so many other things, and it's not that we shouldn't have responsibilities in life, but when we strap ourselves to it, when it becomes the focus of who we are, and then when we hear Jesus say, oh, you're tired? Here, put this on as well. We think, how in the world is this possible? But God is calling us to lay everything else down, to only take upon us the yoke of Jesus. It's custom fit for us. And when we do this, we have to let him lead us. He gives us direction. He gives us guidance. He gives us hope. And in turn, we learn from him, filling up on rest. And then that second week, we began to see that God was calling us to slow down to gain momentum. It's kind of counterintuitive, but sometimes we get moving so fast that if we don't slow down, we cannot receive the rest that he wants to give us. We looked at the illusion that time has a lie for us, that when things settle down, then I can sometime spend more time with the Lord. Or it's the other illusion dealing with stuff that someday, when I have the right situation, then I can get enough done. But those lies are, are not true, and we begin to see that we need to embrace God's pace over our plans, to keep the Sabbath over our schedule, to learn contentment over our own desire to contain everything. Trusting God's timing, not our perception, and practicing patient prayer, not drive-by prayer. And then last week, we, we looked at in our families. We can be in relationships with people and in proximity with them, but it can be this constant biting and tension and friction with one another. And it drains us, and we may not realize it, but we're constantly running on fumes in our family, and until we begin to see with those that we live in closest proximity with, until we see the joy of the Lord come in, it'll be hard to receive what it is God has for us today. Last week we saw that we need to surrender our expectations and honor our differences and practice forgiveness, living a life of a covenant of love with one another, not a contract. Not loving people in our family the way they loved us or the way our parents loved us, but loving them the way Jesus loved us. This morning, I want us to look at stopping to refuel. I, I have that feeling in my gut this morning that I, I'm so excited to tell you what's in my heart that I'm pretty confident it's not going to all come out in order or come out correct. But as you press through and try to digest not what I'm saying to you, but what God possibly has for you. It's my prayer that there will be freedom for someone here today on something that has plagued you in your spiritual life for as long as you have walked with God. For as long as you can remember, this has been an issue. I want to start with a very deep theological question. 
how many of you had some physical food in the last 48 hours? I know that's a deep question. Raise your hand. If you've had physical food in the last 48 hours, keep your hand up. Now, how many of you have had food in the last 24 hours? Keep your hand up. If you've had some kind of food in the last 24 hours, keep your hand up. How many have had food in the last 12 hours? Keep your hand up. How many in the last four hours you've had food? Something to eat. How many in the last two hours you've had something to eat? How many in the last hour you've had something to eat? How many are eating your breakfast right now as I'm talking to you you're trying to hide it? You know, it's, it's, it's not that hard for us to remember to eat. Most of us, it's something inside of us that just, it's time to eat. And when we miss a meal, heaven forbid, or we get off of our schedule, we begin to get a little bit grumpy. We begin to get a little bit fixated on When's my next meal and what I hope it will look like and what it will be? And, and we get so focused on that. We love to eat. Uh, Americans, especially, we have this fixation with the food that we eat. And Americans love to eat so much. I was reading on the Internet, one scientist computed that the average human eats 16 times their weight in a year. In comparison, a horse only eats eight times their weight in the same amount of time. Now, for those of you that are on a diet, this is good news for you. You can still eat like a horse and lose weight. This is good. You can just eat eight times your weight and still make it okay. You know, God has blessed us with so much abundance of food in our country. In fact, I would argue that probably most of us in this room have never really experienced physical hunger. Oh, you get hungry, but a lot of it is in our head, and it's head hunger. And not everybody here, but most of us, it's, it's not real physical hunger. But God has blessed us with so much physical food, I'm convinced right here in America, right here in Indiana, even right here in Grace Point, there is an epidemic of people starving. Absolutely famished. I don't mean physically, though there's some in our country and definitely in our world that are struggling with physical starvation. I'm talking about spiritual starvation. We are becoming so skinny, some of us, that our spiritual rib cage is showing and malnutrition is evident all around. The pigment of our skin is getting lighter and lighter. Our hair is beginning to fall out, some of us more than others. And the signs of this spiritually are rising to the top, and it's an epidemic. Whether we recognize it in the people around us or in ourselves, the fact is there are many who are starving to death spiritually. Look in your Bible or in your outline at John chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. Was Jesus saying that if, if you believe in me, you'll never ever need to eat a sandwich again? You'll never ever need to have any calories again? No. He's not talking about physical food. He's talking about spiritual food. And the satisfaction he brings to our soul is not one that we're so stuffed that we never ever eat a meal again. It's not a spiritual gobstopper candy that you take it and it never ever goes away. And you just put it in your mouth and it's just always, always, always there. No. He feeds you spiritually. And it satisfies your soul in a way that you crave to get more of the nutrients that he gives you. And his well never runs dry. His pantry is always full. He always has more to give you to eat spiritually. Every single person who's alive has a soul. And their soul needs to be fed 
spiritually. I'm not suggesting that this is just for every Christian. This doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter if you agree with me or not. If you are alive, your Creator has given you a soul. And your soul needs to be fed. Every person you lock eyes with, they have a soul, and they are craving to eat spiritually. And and when we don't eat spiritually, we are starving, we end up dying, and the symptoms come out in our life. We begin to feel the hunger pains, that gnawing emptiness that cannot be filled, it cannot be taken away with anything of this world. These spiritual hunger pains, there's no legal or illegal drug that can numb the pain that comes from them. You can try to fill it with money. You can try to fill it with work. You can try to fill it with better relationships. You can try to fill it with entertainment or getting your mind off of it. But these feelings of emptiness, these feelings that there's got to be something more to life than this, they are signs of spiritual starvation. In fact, we know when we are physically hungry, we get kind of grumpy. I don't know if you've been so hungry. You just feel a little lightheaded. So hungry that pretty soon your legs don't work real well and they're just kind of buckling underneath you. You're, you're so hungry that it's like your ears start to have supersonic hearing and things begin to aggravate you. People are talking when they shouldn't be talking. They're crinkling paper when they shouldn't be crinkling paper. And, and when you're so hungry, everything is heightened because you're starving to death, you feel. And, and it begins to affect every other area of your life. You may not have diagnosed yourself with spiritual starvation this morning, but when I begin to say those symptoms, it begins to match what you're feeling. You begin to say, there are so many ignorant people in the world that drives me crazy. I just run into a massive ignorance this week. And it may not be that the people around you, it's their problem. It may be that you're starving spiritually, that you are so on edge, you are so malnourished, that just the littlest thing sets you off. Whether you recognize it or not, you have a soul. Your soul needs to be fed. If your soul is not being fed by the only thing that can feed it, you will starve and you will die. Spiritual hunger is very real. I don't know a better way to communicate this this morning than, the, than it's a fact. This is not like if you agree with it. This is not just like an opinion thing. This is not, you know, what's your take on this? You have a soul. Your soul needs to be fed. If it's not fed, you starve. You are hungry spiritually. And spiritual hunger is real. And just as real as the hunger spiritually, spiritual food is very real. Now take your outline and look at number one there. You have got to eat. You have to eat. Or else spiritual starvation will set in. I want to talk about this spiritual starvation uh, by looking at a couple different aspects of how we starve spiritually. I think it's letter A there in your outline. And jot down spiritual anorexia. If you don't eat, you will die. Now, I'm not making light of the very real eating disorder of anorexia. If you have a friend or a family member, you yourself have struggled with anorexia, I'm not making light of it. In fact, it's, it's the best example that I can share of what's happening to us spiritually. There's many of us in our spiritual life, we are living as spiritual anorexics. We are always around food. We see people with food. We kind of hide the fact that we never, ever take in food ourselves. 
when we look in the mirror spiritually, our brain is telling us a lie that we are healthier than we think we are, that we have more calories spiritually than we think we've had, and we cannot see the ribs, the bones, the side effects of starvation that everyone else around us can see. Carrie and I had a friend in college who struggled with physical anorexia, and as we tried to be a support and lift her up, as we were educated a little bit on this condition, it was kind of interesting for me to find that counselors talk a lot about how often physical anorexia is not centered around a food issue as much as a control issue in some other area of their life where they feel out of control or they've been wounded in a place beyond their control. And so this is the one area that they can control. Can I suggest to you this morning that spiritually, many of us are starving to death. We may not be able to articulate it this way, but something has happened to you. Something you have experienced made you feel out of control. And so in this one area, you are going to control it so much that I'm going to be around spiritual food, but I'm not going to partake of that. Because someone associated with God, somebody associated with church, somebody associated with religion, they have hurt me so bad, or someone who has betrayed me so much, I'm going to put a wall up, and they will never get close to me again, and they will never hurt me again, and you begin to wall out any path of spiritual nutrients in your heart. If you don't eat spiritually, you will die. Deuteronomy 3.8 says, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of of the Lord. Spiritual bulimia is also a reality for many of us. You eat, but you don't digest anything. How often do we nibble at nuggets of truth in God's Word? How much do we nibble at spiritual nutrients? We begin to suck on that truth and get the flavor in our mouth, but as soon as we don't like the flavor, as soon as we get uncomfortable, we spit it out. We never digest it. We never take it in. We never ever benefit from eating the spiritual nutrients. In fact, I would suggest that there's some who may be kidding themselves. They say, well, I go through the motions. I I read my Bible. I pray. I go to worship. I do these things. But when's the last time you've actually digested the spiritual food? What do you mean, Brady? Digestion is putting that fuel, that food to work. When we move into obedience with what God's Word has said, with what He has told us in prayer, with what we've experienced in the community of faith, when I begin to live it out and I begin to see the fruit of the Spirit in me, digestion spiritually takes place and the nutrition for my soul begins to come into being. Well, maybe it's not spiritual anorexia for you. Maybe it's not spiritual bulimia for you. You say, I eat. I digest. Just not every day. Come on. Get in the real world. All I have to say to you, friend, is your body physically wouldn't stand for this. So why do you think your spirit is so strong that it doesn't need nutrients? Do you feel like you're just a strong person because I haven't eaten in six months? No, it's ridiculous. You feel like you're a strong person because I've eaten healthy. I've taken in the right types of food. I've I've put it to work and I've exercised and and I begin to see health come into my body. Eat every day. Luke 9.23 says, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross whenever he feels like it and follow me. That's not what it says. Take up his cross on Christmas and Easter and follow me. Take up his cross when you're really rested and you're not physically tired. 
Take up your cross daily. Being a follower of Jesus calls us to a daily commitment to Him. A daily action of obedience to Him. So therefore, God wants to feed us daily to enable us to be obedient daily. 2 Corinthians 4.16 Therefore, we do not lose heart, though we are outwardly wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed, what? Day by day. God is calling us to eat of His nutrients every single day. Now I want to ask you this question. Spiritually for you, what's for breakfast? What are you eating? What are you eating spiritually? I thought of four categories that may help us, and there's probably more, but if we're really honest today... There's a lot of us here, when we look at what we're eating spiritually for breakfast, what we're taking in, you got a big bowl of nothing. Nothing. It may be because you're so rushed, you're so hurried. It may be because you have bought into this idea that, I'm good. I don't eat it. You know, I've lived my physical life for way too long of my life where I could count on one hand the times that I would eat breakfast in a year. My doctor says, that is ridiculous. And I was kind of excited about that. So I could just say I don't eat breakfast. But as I began to learn some tools physically of what happens when you take in nutrients at the beginning of the day, friends, we need to do this spiritually. Every day. Maybe when you look at taking in nothing, you think, well... I'm strong enough. I can make it to Wednesday. I can make it to Sunday. I can make it to another time. The fact is, if you don't eat of the things of God spiritually every day, it's not that you haven't eaten anything. You will take in from the spiritual realm something. By osmosis, the enemy is going to make sure that you get messages, that you get environments from the world that's going to come into you. And if you do not have a constant diet of the things of God, feeding your soul from the Lord himself you will begin to digest things around you that are not of God. We've got to eat something. Now, maybe that's not you. You say, I don't know that I don't eat anything. But if you're honest spiritually, you eat fast food. Now, I haven't had some of this McDonald's since like December. But it smells good still. It's not fresh anymore. It was fresh at first service, but it still smells good. Oh, I can smell that grease. I love it. I wish the sound guys could help me get this smell to come through the speaker so you could just be hit in the face with hot, greasy, now kind of flimsy hash brown. Oh, it's so good. Now, when you look at the fast food breakfast of a bacon, egg, and like fake cheese sandwich, and a thing of Coke, there's not a lot of good stuff in here, but it tastes good. And it's quick. And it's the way I want it right now. And, and are you eating spiritually? You find yourself taking in things, and, and it's more to do with what it is you want. I, I want to read only when it's what I want to hear. And, you know, maybe it's for you, it's, it's these email devotionals. And I'm not saying email devotionals are bad, but friend, if that's all you're eating is two paragraphs that are sent to your phone a day and you expect to thrive spiritually, wake up! That is a pathetic diet spiritually. Now, keep subscribing to whatever email devotion you get. That's fine. It's a good snack. But is that what you're really feasting on? 
There's all kinds of things that I think that fit into this fast food spiritual diet. And I'm not making fun of these books. I bought these books. I like these books. But, you know, this one here talks about being near to God. And, and, and on the first day, there's two paragraphs and one question. Isn't <laughs> that cute? That's good. And the next day, there's three paragraphs and one question. And that's that just as cute. That's good. Uh, and then it's just the same thing. Now, if you're eating nothing, then this is better than nothing. But friends, you really expect to survive off of fast food alone? You're going to pay the price someday. You're going to, you're going to say, nothing feels real in my life. I'm really struggling with doubt. You're eating fake stuff. Like, get some real food in you spiritually. And, and you know, here, it's about what I want. It's amazing to me when people talk about those who are helping feed them spiritually. <laughs> they can say, you know what? I, I just, I don't know how I feel about that pastor's sermon. I want them to make me laugh. I want them to make me cry. I want them to make me inspired. I want them to teach me something I don't know. And then you do it under 18 minutes or I'm out of here. This is fast food spirituality. Friend, if you are planning on being fed spiritually by just taking in a meal here on Sunday morning or just taking one in on Sunday night or just taking one in on Wednesday in a group or a class, you're going to starve to death. Now, those are good parts of your diet. And, and corporate worship is important. But if that's all you're eating, you're in trouble. Then I think there's another category for us spiritually of what we take in. It's what I would call the trendy diet. Now, i got to confess... I really like everything about coffee and coffee shops. It's cool. It's just a good vibe, good environment. I like the smell, and it's just kind of fun. Uh, my wife loves going there, and, and I think it's fun to hang out with my wife, and so that's good. But I've got to confess to you, every cup of coffee I've had tastes like dirt. I can't stand it. It's nasty. Now, before you come up to me after service and say, oh, but you haven't tried this or that, listen. It's all gross. It's nasty. The only coffee I like is 90% chocolate milk, 1% coffee, and 9% sugar. And I just have to be honest, I just don't like coffee. But this idea of a trendy diet, it has more to do with how it looks. It has to do more with I eat with my eyes, not with what I'm actually digesting. And maybe it's a blueberry scone that's just kind of a cool, trendy diet that you have, or, or these cake pops. I tried to say that I had no idea what these were, but my wife reminded me that she'd told me before. I think it's ridiculous. Put cake on a stick and call it a cake pop. Really? <laughs> but spiritually, we do this. I mean, if, if I'm really going to have cake, give me a slice of cake. Don't put it on a stick and just tease me with it. But... Spiritually, we, we say, you know what? I'm growing. I'm eating. I've got the, the best-selling book that just came out. And there's nothing wrong with these books. I'd recommend them to you. They're good. But if all I eat spiritually is whatever is the most popular that comes out, or whatever is the newest thing. See, this says, you know what? Just teach me something. I've already heard 23rd Psalm. Don't teach on that again. Give me something new. Well, maybe there's something you need to hear again. I was reminded this morning of how indebted I am to my parents of training me up in a way of the Lord to eat a spiritual diet. And as we were in evangelism together, 45 weeks a year we'd travel from one place to another, and Dad would often preach a rotation of a number of sermons, and 
And I remember watching my mom. She would take notes on the sermon that she and I had heard hundreds of times. I could preach it as much as Dad could have preached it. What is she doing taking notes again? And then I began to read her notes, and her notes were different. God would speak to her off the same passage, something new each time. But in a, in a trendy diet spiritually, oh, i got to have something new. I got. How do I look with this new devotional life on? It's fashion faith. And we wonder why we're starving, and we try to fit in with whatever the latest trend is. There was a period in my life, if it wasn't written before 1800, I don't want to read it. Just because I'd had so much, and there's nothing wrong with new writings, but I had so much trendy stuff, just, well, I don't have time to sort through what the good stuff is. Just give me something that stood the test of time. Now, now hear me again. I, these are good books. I would encourage you to read them. And if you haven't eaten anything at all spiritually, or you've just had fast food, or then, then maybe move to something that will get your interest. But can I tell you, there's something so much better that... That there is a, <laughs> you're excited, I can tell. There is, there's steak, there's eggs, there's fruit, there's juice. You fill in the gap for whatever your conviction on food is for the healthiest, the most fulfilling breakfast. God has so much to feed you. Are we willing to feast on it every single day or not? Now, I want to challenge you today, in a message like this, the enemy will probably try to get you to feel shame. If you're a good Christian, like Pastor Brady was talking about, you, you would do better than you are. You don't need to cry about it. I mean, if you feel led to come to the altar today, that's great. But I would say most of go home and eat. When's the last time you opened your Bible and you just read? Just, just begin to read on it. You know, this book is living and active. It's not... It's not held back by your intellect or lack thereof, a fourth grader can read this and hear from God. A 94-year-old can read this and hear from God. I'm not saying we shouldn't have education, but shame on us for saying that God is limited by what we know. He can speak through His living Word to us. Now, there are some great resources that can help us. This is a book that I love. It's called Bible Study Methods. And what I love about this book is... There's really not much to it other than the fact it gives you 12 different ways to study the same passage. Here's a chapter summary method, and here's an outline method, and here's a question reading method, and it's just different ways. In fact, this book is, is once you read it, it's kind, of, well, it's kind of obvious, but it gives you a new way to go to your Bible and to digest food. There's a couple other books that help us look at the, the meat of the spiritual disciplines. If you've not read Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster, you need to stop by our church library and check it out. It's an excellent book that talks about the inward, the outward, and the corporate disciplines that God takes us into the deep things of Him. This morning, I want to challenge you to eat spiritually. Dive into the meat. Acts 17.11 says, Now the Bereans were more of noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. I love this church. Now, you can trust what I'm saying, but don't take my word for it. Take your Bible home and read it. It's great to hear great preaching on a podcast or on the radio or hear a good teacher or read a good book. Don't take their word for it. Read God's word for yourself. Every day, Scripture is saying these people got it right. They came with eagerness and expectation. There's, 
meat, there's nutrients. When our prayer life ceases to be my wish list to God, and it starts to be my honest conversation with Him. When I begin to act on what it is I feel He's impressing on my heart, He can feed me spiritually. Meat can be found in the fundamentals of the gospel. When we begin to live out what He is calling us to do, there's an act of obedience. When I'm obeying His word, it feeds my soul. Psalm 34, 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Somebody here today, you just need to try this. Not because I said so. Try it out. See if God's word is true. But begin to see for yourself. Once you begin to feast on the word of God, you begin to feast that God not only hears you, he will speak to you in prayer. When you begin to feast on how these disciplines that God gives us align us underneath his grace that pours out on us, you won't think twice about skipping it. This is this is over for you. It's not legalism. So you'll never, ever, 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 ever have a day that you miss a day. No, that's not the point. You'll never, ever want to miss a day. You won't settle for fake cheese in... <laughs> now, if you ever wonder about McDonald's, that should tell you something. That is an egg. <laughs> it looks kind of funny. You won't settle. You won't settle for stuff that, that's supposed to be food. That is, it's a substitute of it. And it won't be good enough anymore just if you like it or if it just meets something that's cool compared to someone else. You want the real stuff. You want real nutrients to feed your soul. As we close this morning, as simple as I can put it, I think it'd be this. See, spiritual fuel it has more to do with how much you grow not how much you know. So it's not just on the quantity that you take in, but it's on what it's doing in the digestion process in your body. Are you putting it to work by obeying what it is that's coming in? See, it's our disciplines, not our desires, that lead to growth. It has to become a dis- discipline before it'll ever turn to a joy in our life. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the truth we find in your word. Jesus, I thank you for the example that you gave to us when you were tempted in the desert and, and you had the very scriptures committed to memory and you said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And you resisted the enemy by the, the nutrients from scripture that was in your soul. Jesus, I pray that we'll begin to see what it is you want to do in our midst. God, today I pray that you will rip off the scales that have been blinding some of us. Oh, we're very aware of the symptoms, but we are in denial of the diagnosis of spiritual anorexia, of spiritual bulimia, of spiritual starvation. God, I pray that you'll connect the dots in our hearts and our minds today. Could it be, friend, that if you would just begin to saturate your mind with God's Word, and there's helps, talk with me or one of the pastoral staff, we want to help you in this. You don't have to go it alone. But could it be that if you would begin to have a regular diet spiritually, that God would bring health back into your life spiritually? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes from the Word. You're struggling with doubt? Read God's Word. 
you're struggling with thought patterns in your life, there's a washing and renewing of our mind by God's Word. Read His Word. Email devotions are good. Trendy books are fine. But dive into the meat of what God has given you in the Holy Scriptures. Father, I pray that this will become not my words, but yours in the hearts, the ears, and the minds of my friends. Thank you, Jesus, for your word that transcends space, time, and culture. And that's just as real and powerful and full of life today as it has ever been throughout all of creation. Lord, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but your word will stand forever. And Jesus, we choose today to plant our feet, our hearts, our mind, our life on the solid rock of your word. It's in your name, Jesus, I pray these things. Amen and amen.